Welcome to Absolute Destiny, a podcast. I'm Autumn. I'm Chesney. And we are at the end of the series. We have just started the first of the two-parters, episode 38, The End of the World. And we stopped at the cliffhanger at the end of this episode to record this show. (laughs) (laughs) So Chesney is fresh off of witnessing Anthe's betrayal. How are you doing right now? (laughs) Here's the thing. I'm disappointed, but not surprised. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, this is kind of... Anthe's been showing us who she is and what her deal is every step of the way. I like, I'm like, damn girl, you didn't have to do this, but you did it anyway. Kind of respect, but also (laughs) 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 that was, um, really fucked up. But the other piece of it is like, you know, they have this conversation, Anthea and Utena about, where they apologize to each other and Uten is basically like, I shouldn't have tried to be your prince. Like I was only thinking of myself and my ego. And she still draws upon that in the duel itself. And I really feel like that was her downfall. So yeah, I, when I was watching, I was like, everybody's making the same mistakes again. (laughs) (laughs) I have a lot to say about Anthe's decision at the end, but I'm going to save it until we get there. Um, Yeah. One thing I would like to say up front about this episode, um, this is a content warning. Because of the conversation that Akio and Utena have that spans like 12 minutes in the middle of the episode, we are going to be talking in depth about the tactics that abusers use to manipulate their victims. And so Mm -hmm. there really isn't a way to discuss this episode in the depth that we need to without going into detail on some of those things. So prepare for that. Take precautions if you need to. Um, Go ahead and skip to the conclusion once that is recorded, if that is what you need to do to keep yourself safe. But we are going to be rehashing a lot of the stuff that he has done over the course of the show and putting it in its new proper complete context so i just wanted to set that out there ahead of time that this episode is going to be a lot heavier for that reason yeah he um he pulled out all the stops that's the thing right like he can sense his power slipping away exactly it's just a a whistle stop tour through all of the abuser tactics (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, even how the episode ends is intentional. It's still him and his manipulation tactics and abuse tactics at play. So at the end of the episode, he throws Anthe at Utena with his sword and is saying to her, prove to me that you are still loyal to me. Prove to me that all of this so far up until this point has not broken my hold over you. And that is more about him and his relationship to Anthe than it is about Utena or her relationship to Anthe. Um, Everything else up until that point 
you know, he is sparring with Utena both physically and verbally, but he is now proving to Utena that he is still in control. Yeah. It's funny, too, because I somehow missed where he gave Anthe his sword. I just thought she straight up manifested another one. (laughs) It's intentional. The shot pulls back and is cropped in such a way that the way he's standing, you are led to believe that he is holding his sword just off screen. And so you don't see it in Anthe's hand until it's too late. It was very particular blocking. The sword doesn't suddenly like disappear and reappear. They just don't show it until we see it in her hand. They hide his sword hand until uh, the moment of truth. Yeah. Last episode, it ended with us knowing that like something big was coming. And this one opens with Zetai Unmei Mokushiroku. Like they just lead into it immediately. It is a cold open on the dual song. (laughs) (laughs) And they play the full sequence with like the elevator and everything. Mm -hmm. And when she reaches the top, the dueling platform is empty. It is dark. And the prince on the orb of the world appears in the distance. And in walks Akio. And Utena is finally like, oh, so you're the end of the world. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> good job catching up to where literally everyone else was <laughs> and they tried to tell her multiple times it's weird though because i mean i guess that means that toga wins that bet right like yeah like nah she she doesn't she hasn't figured it out yet <laughs> sionji owes him one blow job without <laughs> making a fuss about it <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's weird though that Akio um says like yeah but you've you've already figured out that I was the end of the world like you've known this for some time but I'm still your prince. So it's like Utena knew but didn't say any kind of admission or anything out loud didn't maybe didn't want to admit it to herself that she knew and made the realization because of her own like twisted feelings not twisted but you get it like twisted up inside her type thing. Yeah. And Utena says at one point, I know what you're after. And I actually have to say here, like, do you? (laughs) Right. Like, I I don't think she does. (laughs) No, I don't think she does either. Because, like, she is still under the impression that there is, like, some magical power that he wants. Mm -hmm. And we will find out later, he already has all the power he is after. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's clear from this episode that, and their conversation, that what Akio wants is to use the power that he currently has to control the entirety of the world. That is what he means by revolutionize the world. And more than that, like, he wants to retain the power that he has and also regain his sense of self and nobility. Mm-hmm. Like, he wants it both ways. He wants to be both good and omnipotent. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like, I'm going to go on like a a little meandering trip here. Every time somebody like puts out the idea of what if Superman was evil, they're missing the point of Superman. Superman is what if someone that powerful 
was good. Mm-hmm. Because we already have tons of fucking evil, powerful people in the world. Yeah. <laughs> we are lousy with them. Uh, Lex Luthor himself is taking over Twitter in order to make it a haven for the right wing. You know, it. <laughs> it is not revolutionary to say, what if Superman was evil? Right. Akio knows what he has lost with his goodness and wants it back, but isn't willing to do any of the soul searching necessary to root out the bad impulses that he routinely just gives into. Mm-hmm. Instead, he localizes the problem within Anthe. He's like, she's the reason for all of this. She's the reason I don't have my power anymore. She's a witch. She will forever be the Rose Bride. I am the victim of all of this. And so long as he believes that, he will never do the work of figuring out why he is no longer a good person. Speaking of that, isn't it kind of wild that when Akio is trying to sway Utena to his side and make her be his princess. Um, he spouts off this whole thing about like, we'll get to live in the castle for all, all of eternity. I'll be the prince. You'll be my princess. Um, you won't have to like fight with that sword anymore. Swords don't go with dresses anyway, blah, blah, blah. And Utena goes, um, so what'll happen to Anthe? And even in this outcome that Akio spins up, his answer to that is still, oh, Anthe's going to suffer forever. Anthe's going to be doomed to be the Rose Bride for all of eternity, and we get to be happy. Yeah. So fucked up. <laughs> but also, like, I-, I want to make note of that, that, you know, he pulls the sword from her. She transforms into a, a princess herself because of this. He proposes this idea of them running off to the castle and they'll live together forever happy as prince and princess. When he says this, he knows it is a lie. Right. And he says it anyway. And completely effortlessly, in a few minutes, he will say something that completely contradicts it. Exactly. Like he says, oh, you never lost your noble heart, your nobility, blah, blah, blah. And then two minutes later, when Utena's like, yeah, well, no, I'm not going to go for this because Anthe's still suffering. Uh, Akio's like, fuck you, bitch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. He's like, you see, that's the problem. You lost your nobility. So sorry. <laughs> He pulls the total fuckboy move. I absolutely can't. Uh, The fuck you, bitch. You're ugly anyway. I never wanted you. Blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Like, oh my God, you are so pathetic. (laughs) Yeah. So I have more to say about that twist when we get to it. Mm -hmm. But that is the thing to pay attention to in all of this is everything he says is completely cynical and self-serving. It does mm-hmm. not matter whether it is true or false. He will say whatever he is needs to say, whatever is expedient in that moment to get what he wants from Utena. Yep. That's what he's always done. As soon as that tactic fails, 
he immediately switches tactics. Yeah. And that's how you can tell that it is a cynical tactic and not a genuine emotion that he feels or a genuine sentiment that he is trying to express to her. He is just saying whatever it takes to win the argument. I think the only genuine thing he ever expressed in this episode the fear was, on his face at the end of the duel. Correct. There was fear. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there was fear in that man's eyes. And there very damn well should have been because <laughs> she was beating his ass. He said, you don't know anything, little girl. Like you play, you do play duels and blah, blah, blah. Let me show you what real dueling's like. She said, oh yeah. And went for his throat. <laughs> it was great. Anyway. Yeah. I just, I thought that was so wild. That in this conversation where he's trying to sway her to his side, he's still just spilling lies. And I'm like, what What did you think was going to happen, Akio? Like, okay, let's say you spun her this tale. She accepts it. So you're just going to keep this planetarium hologram up forever? Like, like how was this actually going to play out? Was he just going to kill her? Like... I- <laughs> No, I think that I th- I think the first one he would have kept whatever lie he has to going for as long as he needs to. That's just wild, especially in a place where you never age. So like you're committing to this lie for literally ever, <laughs> right? Because he can't face the truth. Yeah, he can't face what he has become, which is ironic because he can acknowledge it and you know, rationally discuss what he is. He's like uh, Zorg from Fifth Element when mm-hmm. uh, when the priest calls him out and says, you're a monster, Zorg. And he actually looks at disappointed for a second. He's like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, will not reckon with it emotionally, but yeah. like on some level knows he's a monster. Yeah. And Akio is in the same boat. He knows he is a monster but will not do the work of changing himself in any meaningful way. And so he will wrap himself up in whichever lie serves him at the moment, because it's like an onion. The lies are so thick that it's just whichever layer you end up on, it's still another lie, but all he has to do is pivot and onto the next person. You know, Autumn, I've always said princes are like onions. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Anyway, I love Shrek. Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah, he he really tried to he really tried his damnedest to shove Utena in that gender role box. And she just does not fit there. Yeah, and that goes to the thing that we've been seeing, one, for the entire show, but especially in this last arc of even Toga trying to convey to Akio, dude, you really don't understand her. Yeah. If you think this is what she wants or what she will be happy with, you do not get her. Once he says that Anthe will be the Rose Bride forever, we get a flash of Utena connecting the dots on... Anthe being the girl that she saw years ago. And then we flash to the uh, the suicide again. Mm-hmm. 
we see Utna pull Anthe back from the brink. And this time we get to see the conversation play out in full. And I'm, I'm going to read what Anthe said. And I'm going to read it in full. I thought I was just the rose bride, just a doll without a heart. I could be abused to my master's content because I thought I had no heart to be broken. Forgive me, Utena. The pain I feel comes with the curse of being the Rose Bride. But the pain I caused you, you were swept up in this against your will. Even knowing that, I used you and your naivety. I took advantage of your kindness. So for the first time, Anthe puts words to the thing that we have been seeing on her face the entire series. Every now and then there would be these flashes of recognizing that the situation she is in is deeply fucked. But now we have Anthe copping to the other thing that we've seen this whole time. She is a willing participant in this situation and she has been using her power to hurt those around her. Yeah. Yeah, she fully admits to having the mask and also hurting people in whatever way she can. And this also is her admitting this is the first time she has considered in a very long time, apparently that she could be more than the Rose Bride. And I would say that it's such a hard realization for her that she just about can't take it. I mean, she attempted suicide. Like, she yeah, couldn't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she couldn't take it. Um, not without help. Yeah. And luckily, Utena is there to, to help her through this moment. So Utena cuts her off and says that she never realized the pain that Anthe was in. And she apologizes. She says, I kept acting like a noble prince who would save you. I was protecting you from my ego. I thought you had betrayed me with Akio that night when she she saw them together. Even after I said we should help each other, I felt betrayed by you. I blamed you for this, you know? So mm -hmm. I will say, as cool as it is to see this and as heartwarming as it is for the audience to, to witness this conversation, they are kind of talking past each other here. Yeah. And, and it's a little subtle, but like, Anthe is trying to apologize for um, how she has been complicit in Akio's plan, how she has used the small shred of power that she has, the, the tiny bit of agency she is still allowed to hurt other people. Meanwhile, Utna is almost like dismissing that. <laughs> yeah. In her rush to apologize for her own thing. Um. Like, I don't feel like Utena really grasps the the gravity of it all. No. Uh, but that it is a huge revelation for her to recognize the thing I have been be beating this drum about from the start. Utena finally realizes she has been playing by Akio's rules this entire time. She has been doing this for herself. Her motivations for helping Anthe were so that she could be a prince, not so that Anthe would be helped. Yeah, right. It's like we've anyone who's ever been in an activist space for a long enough time, you start to get a sense like you can smell out the difference between the people who are there for the cause 
and the people who are there for the fight. There are people who are interested in winning and there are people who are interested in fighting. And those two motivations can be at cross purposes at the most vital of moments. When like a difficult decision needs to be made that involves, say, a strategic loss in order mm -hmm. to stay in the fight long term, um, retreating and retrenching versus someone who is just there to always be fighting. Yeah. Um, and also, like, if you're there just for the fight and not for the cause, it's very easy to miss the actual practical things that help people along the way versus things that involve winning arguments. Yeah, and it's also easy for those kind of people to be like, yay, we won! Like, see one victory as, like, the victory, and then, like, completely it goes like to the back of their mind, you know, like, okay, I, we did it. And then they just like walk away. Right. I've beaten all the other duelists. So Anthea must be safe. Right. Never mind that the danger was coming from inside the house the whole time. Literally. <laughs> and so, you know, Uten has been playing by Akio's rules. She's been fighting and winning the duels for her own ego. And so this is the first time that she's recognized reckoning with that also to your talking past each other point like you're completely right in that Utena's not hearing really what Anthea is saying I think she's also so um in fix-it mode almost kind of adjacent or similar to people pleaser mode where um it's like oh my god you're in pain I need to do whatever I need to do to like put this bandaid on over the situation. So it is good that, um, you know, Uten is having this realization and revelation about like her piece in it all, but it comes at the cost of not just not hearing what Anthe's saying, but taking the, the responsibility, not letting Anthe have the responsibility that yes. she is owed in this moment. Like yes, exactly. Anthe's fully trying to take that. And Uten is like, nope. <laughs> no, yeah. actually, it was me. <laughs> and it's like, no, girl, it was not you. <laughs> yes, yes. Utena, you are fully within your rights to be angry at her right now. <laughs> Go ahead and be angry for a second. You can forgive her, but also be angry. Deal with your emotions, woman. <laughs> like... This right here is exactly why last episode I went on that rant about how the two of them will need a heaping ton of couples counseling for them to be a healthy couple because Utena is permanently in rescue mode. She's even yeah. recognizing it here and yeah. is still doing it. Yep. God bless. That's and just, <laughs> that's a lot to take on. <laughs> And this is also why, like, it takes years of training as, like, in therapy, it takes years of training as a therapist to be able to participate in a conversation like this and also at the same time have a part of you that is zooming out and recognize that it's happening while it's happening. Mm -hmm. Because, like, if I were to be their couples counselor, this is the moment where I would be like, 
Utena, I need to pause you here and, and point out that right now you're doing the exact thing you're apologizing for as you're apologizing for it. Yeah, I mean, it's just her and Anthony have are constantly missing one another's communication. Because they both feed into a gap in the other's needs. Mm -hmm. You know, um, Utena is the one person who is giving Anthe, like, uh, she's the one person who is giving Anthe her um, complete and undivided attention. Meanwhile, Anthe is giving Utena someone to rescue. And the two of them have not come to a place of mutual respect for one another as people. Yeah, not yet. It's possible. They just need, like, they need a couple's counselor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, real bad. <laughs> I do appreciate, though, Utena's honesty and having that conversation, even though it's hard. Oh, yeah. I'm glad that they actually... That she did actually say something about the night that I learned about you and Akio, I felt betrayed by yes. you. Yes, I will agree with you there. I want to give her credit for being able to name her emotions directly to the person that it matters to. <laughs> yeah. So that part is progress. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then still turn around and say, even though you were suffering so much, like that's that's the key point. And she doesn't need to go on and say, I was the one who cheated and used and betrayed you. Like, sure, yeah, that can be a separate conversation. <laughs> yeah. You, you just don't need to take ownership of um, Anthe's responsibility. Yeah. yeah and Anthe's part that she's played in this. Um, you need to let her take responsibility for her actions and, you know, everything. But, and I do, like, I'm glad that they were able to even though they kind of missed each other, that they were still able to kind of comfort one another and come together somewhat. Oh yeah. You, you're not going to fix a relationships, like all of our relationships issues in one conversation. No one night. No. <laughs> <laughs> Prioritized baby steps. <laughs> yeah. There we go. I love that. <laughs> so the last thing that happens in this scene Anthe tries to warn Utena that the solution to all of this is just to leave. Yeah. Get out of here. Forget any of this happened. Find a life without any of this drama. She's telling her to be like Nick in uh, Great Gatsby. Just be like, holy shit, that was a fucking weird summer. I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> She's telling her. Utena to save herself because she does not think that she can be saved. Yeah. And also because of what is revealed later, she is also probably telling Utena the only thing that will work in this scenario. <laughs> Just get the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> but also like considering this show on a metaphor level, this is still about high school and adolescence. And the only way the only way to save yourself from adolescence is to grow up and get out of it, right? Yeah. Like, you can't be a permanent teenager, Akio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so the only way to finally completely deal with high school is to graduate and leave or drop out. 
don't drop out of school kids yeah Uh, don't do that (laughs) (laughs) but like eventually you have to leave it behind and so there is a wisdom in this beyond just the uh the emotional piece of save yourself because I can't be saved. Um, there is an, an acknowledgement of like the meta level of all of it, of the only way out of this is out of it. Mm-hmm. You can't be a student who takes over the school, right? Like no student can ever be the principal, right? You have to leave and then come back. If you want that power, you can't just take mm-hmm. it as a student. And we'll come back to that point when Akio gives his little speech. (laughs) (laughs) Then Utena grabs the sword from Akio and he chastises her saying girls shouldn't brandish swords like that. And then this is the first of his major pivots. This is where before he was talking about how proud he was of her of getting this far. He now sees that she is challenging him his spell has broken for a moment. So he uses a new tactic and says, oh, I never thought you would get this far. Bitch, yes, you did. <laughs> yeah, you literally just Counting said I always knew. <laughs> Your plan required her getting this far. <laughs> <laughs> but he has to break her down again because she's challenging him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then tells her that she's lost to the pure soul that only wished to be a prince. Like she's lost her nobility and her noble heart. Again, you just said (laughs) you never lost that. Like what? (laughs) Earlier, that was the requirement for even getting here. Yeah. So which is it? And I want to harp on this moment just a little bit. His line of saying that she's lost the pure soul that wished to be a prince. It's doing a couple of things here. First, it's invoking virginity culture, right? Like Mm -hmm. he is chastising her for being a sexual being at this point, even though it was under his influence and by his actions. Mm -hmm. That's how purity culture works. Yeah. And the other thing is, He is demanding her purity as a prerequisite for challenging his authority. That is a misogynistic double standard in which he is exercising his power and saying, "Uh, uh, uh, you're not allowed to do the same thing I'm doing because for you, you have to maintain your nobility. I don't have to maintain my nobility anymore. I've never been the Mm -hmm. prince. I haven't been the prince for a long time. That doesn't matter for me. But you need the moral high ground. And you gave it up. So you can't challenge me anymore, neener, neener. (laughs) (laughs) It is an exercise of power, which is different from the exercise of force. Later, when they actually are fighting, that will be about force. But in this moment, he is leaning on social power he is saying these principles are important and therefore you are not in a position to challenge them because i am telling you you are not pure enough of heart to challenge me even though 
that's all bullshit. All she has to do is stab him with the sword. <laughs> right. <laughs> what's all this talk about purity stabs <laughs> yeah if you want to do further reading um the philosopher foucault is the one to to read um it's super dense it is not easy to read but um understanding the dynamics of power and how power works and operates and self-perpetuates that's the further reading assignment for this moment. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jessica Valenti also has a good book about um, purity culture, but um, this argument on- also only works in this kind of situation. Like if Akio was sitting there trying to argue this with a grown ass woman, who's it, like it just gone through some shit in her life and <laughs> Like, gone through life's normal trials and tribulations and was like, well, you're not pure enough. Like, he would get the shit slapped out of him. <laughs> like, this only works because, and it only works to the extent that it does, because not only is he now in a place of power over Utena and Anthe, but because of her age and naivety. That's it. Like, this whole back and forth of, uh, yeah, you're great. You're exactly who you need to be an immediate pivot to no, just kidding. Actually you have no moral high ground over me. I just, that shit would never fly with another adult in the room. And yet that is a key abuser tactic is to impose Mm -hmm. a double standard that way. Yep. Is to like set the line, the bar, which you have to reach before you're allowed to criticize my decisions. Like you're not allowed to challenge me unless you're better than me rather than acknowledging that we can be equals and both of us have different opinions. <laughs> yeah. And by my standards that I set, which are the only ones that matter, you will never reach this or right. be that. Like, she's not allowed to hold him to a higher standard in this scenario. Nope. She's not allowed to pass judgment on him. No. And so then we have the big reveal um, when Utena says, I'm going to free Anthe from you. And he's like, you don't even know what that means. <laughs> you don't even know what you're saying. <laughs> and uh, is like, I'm going to show you. You can't save her. All of this has been an illusion. Oh, and I just want to point out, like, again, that's him changing tactics. Like, yeah, he does. Like he d- gives that whole speech about purity and all that, and despite that, she's like, "Nah, fuck that. I'm still gonna save her." And so he changes mm-hmm. tactics again, and <laughs> like that. Yeah. This is what he's doing. He, he's just like, "Oh, that didn't work. Next tactic. All right, I'm gonna reveal to you now the truth." Uh huh. So he hits some button or does something or whatever, and all of a sudden some like blinds start going up revealing these big arched windows that are now in the space and turns out they've just been in the planetarium the whole time which like you were completely right autumn this was all set up from the beginning for me to have figured out and i bitch i was still never going to get there I was never going to get there. I was never I, going to be like, oh, they're just in the planetarium this whole time. Yeah. They've never. been showing it to you 
in this last plot arc. Like, they're in the dueling arena, and the projector is there. Uh? (laughs) (laughs) And, like, this has been him tipping his hand for the last six episodes. And sure enough, it still comes as a surprise. Um, And this is also why I was saying all the way back in episode one, don't write off the magical realism as goofy anime bullshit. There is an explanation for it. Utena was right to be questioning it at the beginning. And the fact that she got swept up in the world is a big part of the power of this reveal. Mm-hmm. It's also like, even though, okay, yeah, the um, planetarium like projects holograms and blah, blah, blah. Okay, sure. What gets me, though, is that even with that, there is still an element of magical realism with it. It's not just like, oh, science. Like, no, there's <laughs> still some magic bullshit going on here yeah. because um, how would there be like a walk through the forest? How would there like, OK, I can totally get that. It makes sense. The elevator ride up or the stairs up are going up into the tower, like the tallest point. It's the chairman's um, office planetarium thing. Okay. Yeah. But how are you disguising shit outside of that room? Like people aren't just like (laughs) you. A hologram is not that strong. (laughs) To think that you're going up in an elevator somewhere or like walking up all these stairs. Like, you know what I'm saying? There's still like a, a walk to a forest. Um, there's still all these different pieces. Like even the elevator ride up. Okay, sure. It's the elevator up to the chairman's office. But like there's still a piece of magical stuff that's disguising all of this. So it's like the the control itself that he still has, like his, um, the piece that he's fighting so hard for is just the control over Anthe, who is the source of the magic herself being a quote unquote, witch. I think he kind of gives away the game in the next thing he says though, which is that essentially this works because people want it to work. Not necessarily that like, it's literally real. It's that, this works because the people I have gathered at this school are the kind of people who can be manipulated by this kind of thing. And so there's an element of belief that plays into it. I guess, but I'm still like, how do you mask walking through a forest? Like, how do you disguise a school to where people think that they're walking through a forest alone I don't know. That's the, like, to think that you're walking across campus into a forest, that, like, disguising bit, I'm like, to me, that's still the magical realism at play and not just, like, you were in the planetarium the whole time. One thing I do want to, like, revisit here in this moment with this reveal is that I I was trying to reassure folks this whole time that what we were saying about Anthe is in large part motivated by 
what we are seeing moment by moment and that there would be a time in the final episode where we revisit the way that the show has been blaming her for the state of the prince and the the state of Akio and all of that stuff. This is that moment. This is where we see that the shadow play that explains what happened in the past. This is where we see the versions of the story of the prince that we saw before. This is all Akio's memory. This is all Akio's belief in what happened. He is the one who has had the power this whole time. And he has been using it to craft a narrative that blames Anthe and absolves him of guilt. And he has been blaming her for so long that she has turned that inward and is treating herself as an object of scorn. So all those narrative inconsistencies from before of like, maybe it really was Anthe who kicked all this off and Anthe's the one who's actually to blame. And if she's holding the prince prisoner, then, you know, this is technically him fighting back. No, as it turns out, that is his narrative to justify his actions towards her. That Classic abuser tactic. (laughs) Yeah, and it makes it so much fucking worse that he was just just like, (laughs) he orchestrated this whole thing for them to watch that play and to make Anthe sit there through that whole thing and watch it. That is so fucked up. It does explain, though, the like, the mod- random snippets of modern technology, like the fax machine, telephone, like all that kind of stuff, or printer, whatever it was. Because it's not ancient history. Correct. It wasn't real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's not immortal. This isn't like any of that. This isn't a fairy tale. <laughs> right. Um, also, which makes why I was never going to get that this was all just the fucking planetarium. Because to be honest, I expected more. Like I, I really thought (laughs) my brain was already like light years ahead in like, Oh, like, is this some kind of like other dimension? Like, are they, I, I tweeted a theory of like, are they like all just still in the church? Like that's where my brain was not, Akio is just manipulating using like really strong holograms. My reaction to that is boo, you whore. (laughs) (laughs) Like boo, you suck. That's it, bro. I expected more of you, but that's so in line with his character because he makes himself up to be this grandiose, all powerful thing. And he's not. He was shaking in them little boots when Utena came for him. Oh, yeah. Because all bullies are, at their core, afraid. Yeah. And not omnipotent. They need to project strength because they don't have it. Yeah. And so he also gives away the game here when he's like, there's no place higher than this room. This is the summit of Otori. This is the summit of the world. Which is another thing that is like, You're telling on yourself, dude. If you think that being the chairman of a school 
is the highest power that you can achieve, you have already shown me how small your world is. Yep. And not even in a like benevolent, altruistic kind of way. Like if you are approaching this from, I want to be the principal of a school because I want to be able to help as many students as I can to succeed. That's fine. You know, like if you're like, that's the highest I can achieve. I'm going to shoot for that so that I can help as many people as I can. That's, Mm -hmm. that's fine. If you look at that position and go, that's the highest power in the world. What you have just told me is that your maturity stopped at high school. Like if you look at that and say, I want to be in charge of a school. I'm going to run this place. You're telling on yourself, dude. Yeah. Also, going back to the narrative piece, if basically none of it is true, it means that what Akio is claiming Anthe did never happened at all. Like, she either just asked him to take care of himself and, like, step back and not, like, bend himself over backwards to help people. But really, more likely what it was is something much more insidious, which is probably just that he was tempted to be incestuous. And that's what broke his nobility. Yeah. It really reveals that this narrative is one that is crafted to protect his ego and not one that Mm -hmm. reveals anything about the true state of what actually happened between those two in the past. Mm -hmm. Because of this, we will never actually know what really happened between the two of them that started all of this. But we can infer that whatever it was started with him. Yeah. And so like, in the end, the details of that don't much matter. He has the power. He has always had the power. And so therefore, the specifics of the what, that's just lurid details. That's voyeurism. What matters is he's the one in control. And she is the one who is being deprived of her agency. And so when we are naming who is the abuser and who is the victim, it is him. He is the abuser. She is the victim. Anything she is doing in retaliation is just that. Yep. So all that ambiguity that has been injected in the last six episodes is now gone. Mm-hmm. Yes, Anthe is absolutely responsible for the actions she took against Utana, and honestly, against Nanami too. You know, the two of them were never kind to one another, but like she is still responsible for for her part of that. The fact that in a shit rolls downhill kind of way. Anthe is exerting her power over the few people she can exert power over because she can't fight back against her abuser. That is on her. And she is trying to take ownership of it in this episode. Um, But ultimately, it traces back to Akio. Yeah. But just like the episodes earlier in the Akio Otori arc, and the Black Rose saga, when Utena was like going to him for advice and he was basically grooming her, but like 
the stuff he was saying was always true, just manipulative. <laughs> In a similar way, he says something true here, but he deploys it, as always, as another tactic to manipulate Utena, which is to say that, like, the authority of adulthood and the adult world is the highest you can get. Magic isn't real. Power like what I have is the actual power. And your childishness keeps you from seeing that this is what you should be aspiring to, not magical princely power. So then Utana clarifies and says that the actual reason she hates being here is that this is the room that Akio abuses Anthe in. And he brushes it off with like the most horrifying statement ever of, oh, don't tell yeah. me you're angry about that. And then makes it worse by saying, if you are talking about that, you're just as bad as I am. Which, no, Akio, she's not. <laughs> Point blank. She just isn't. Not even close. <laughs> yeah, he tries to make it out that, like, because she let him kiss her, that she is to blame for him cheating on his fiance. So that means she's just <laughs> as bad as him. I'm sorry, just saying it out loud like, like that, it's just absolutely ridiculous. <sighs> How dare you make me cheat on my fiance? Nobody made you do that. <laughs> Absolutely nobody made you cheat on your fiance, Akio. You chose to do that. I'm going to explain an acronym here. It's DARVO. D-A-R-V-O. It's an acronym that stands for Deny, Attack, and Reverse Victim and Offender. It is a tool that abusers use it's a, a tactic that they employ where this is what he's doing here. He is the one who took action. He is the one who seduced Utana, basically mm -hmm. pushed her into that back seat that one time, uh, and then eventually takes her out for a full day date and then assaults her in a hotel room, presumably. In a, a location that she is not free to leave because it involved a car mm -hmm. ride, a very lengthy car ride from Otori. So he is the perpetrator in all of this. He is the one who takes action. And in this moment, he is denying his responsibility for it and blaming her. He is reversing their roles in this scenario the same way he does with Anthe where he blames Anthe for the things he does. He blames Anthe for the situation that he has created. He is blaming Utena in order to, again, go back to that double standard of, you're not pure enough to challenge me. I am allowed to maintain my power, but you can't take it from me unless you are morally superior, because I'm setting the bar now. I'm saying only someone morally superior to me can challenge my authority. <laughs> Never mind that that yeah. isn't actually how challenging authority works. But he's trying to say that. Like, he's trying to make that true by convincing her that those are the rules. The fact is there aren't rules. But he's trying to make rules that serve him. 
what he's doing is reversing their roles in terms of who was the prime actor. I was honestly kind of surprised that he didn't show on the projector the hotel room scene. Like, to really drive that sword in as deep as it could go in hurting her. And hurting Anthe. Showing Anthe that. Oh, yeah. I'm surprised. I think that he chose the kiss scene, though, because I would argue that it it shows, even though it's still, like, a dominating thing, he's still trying to argue that she was a willing participant in that. I think he has less of an argument with the hotel room. He doesn't really have an argument to begin with (laughs) because the whole thing was like really forced upon her (laughs) and the power dynamic. Yeah. The legitimacy of his argument isn't actually the important part because he is trying to do this through sheer force of will. In fact, the bigger and more flagrant the lie, the more powerful this tactic is. And so the next thing he does is overplay his hand. Because he then tries to say that Utna has been doing to Anthe the same thing that he does. She's not really Anthe's friend. She's never tried to understand Anthe. This shows one key thing here, and that is Akio is not, in fact, omniscient. He doesn't realize yeah. that Anthe and Utna have made up. He doesn't realize that they have told the truth to one another. And so he overplays his hand on this moment. So what does he do? He changes tactics again. This time he he says, you owe me everything that you are. I made you. You used to be a depressed kid in a church, in a graveyard, sad because your parents died. I'm the one who gave you your strength back. And again, this is another abuser tactic. He is expecting permanent gratitude for one kind act, even though that was the first step in a plan that he has been hatching for a long time. Not that he orchestrated literally every step of this plan, but that what we see with the student council is they don't all have to succeed. He is making so many plans as long as one of them reaches the point they are at right now, he wins. So it didn't matter whether it was Utana or Toga or Sionji or Mickey or Nanami or Juri or yeah, even uh, Mikage or Ruka. He has so many irons in the fire. As long as one of them gets hot, he has what he needs to, to bring someone to this point. It just so happened that it was Utana. But here he is trying to use the fact that he has brought her into his plot using an act of kindness six, eight years ago as a way of demanding permanent gratitude from her, as though she owes everything Mm -hmm. to him for that one thing. We don't see Utana doing that. We don't see Utana turn around to Anthe and say, (laughs) I pulled you off that ledge. Now you owe me your life. It's also interesting because for all his talk about being a prince and like losing his nobility and stuff, he all of a sudden says there was never a prince in this world to begin with. A thing he is about to contradict within (laughs) the same speech, 
but yeah no because then he goes on to say like the grave of dios the prince blah blah blah. like (laughs) when she became the witch he vanished from this world um which implies there was at one time a prince it's just like (laughs) this whole episode this whole episode akio is just taking on the role of the father of lies you cannot trust anything that he says because he's constantly contradicting himself, like we've been saying this whole episode, to get out on top. We'll say and do whatever it takes. And he has, in the past, directly oh, yeah, he has. called himself Lucifer. He has explained in the past that his name and Lucifer yep. refer to the same star. Interesting. Uh... So when he says... You don't understand what this is. This isn't Dios. This is the grave of Dios. This goes back to something that uh, Paranoia Android, one of our listeners, pointed out in an email a few episodes back. Oh, yeah. Academy is a Kofun. This entire, this entire campus, it is not a school. It is a tomb. This entire place is the grave of Dios. Holy shit. Chesney, I'm going to say put a pin in that. Okay. Um, you kn- for the movie. Listener, if you have seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about here, that this entire place is a tomb. Uh, the movie is far more explicit about certain things than the show was. This is one of them. Damn. He really should have just taken the hint and taken that forever dirt nap. <laughs> you fucked up. <laughs> Time to get in the forever box. Yeah. <laughs> dead also interesting that in this scene we see the revolution text yes it almost looks like um looks like uh something written in stained glass or um almost part of like a family tree the way that it's written yeah it's a stained glass window this goes back to episode 13 plotting a locus where All of the duels in the first arc had a name and each of them had a stained glass window associated with them. And we were given a preview that someday there would be a duel called Revolution. Now we are there. Now that we're here, we are at the duel called Revolution. Akio has the gall to say, actually, she enjoys being a witch. Yeah. She likes this. Before he was denying he had anything to do with all of this. Now he's like, no, she likes it. It's Mm -hmm. like, he's just ripping out new tactics one after another. Like he's not even waiting for the first one to land. This is (laughs) like, this is full on gish gallop territory. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, he's, it's like, he's reading off of a script. He's like, um, uh, I never had anything to do with this. No? Okay. Just rips the page and throws it to the floor. Yeah. Um, okay. She <laughs> likes it. No? Okay. Rips the page, throws it to the floor. <laughs> it's like the worst shit ever. We see this reverse shot of the couch while he's speaking. And we don't see Anthe, but we have this metonymous reference to her where Anthe doesn't appear, just the swords of humanity's hatred. Mm-hmm. And he reaches in and grabs one, and sure enough, it's just another sort of Dios. Yep. But this time with like a black handle and a pink rose. And 
I kind of love and hate what this implies of like, as it turns out, it isn't the world that hates Anthe. This is all just individual pains that he has inflicted over time. And he can, and because they have always been his weapons, he can take whichever one he pleases. I fucking called that shit. (laughs) (laughs) That all of the swords were just the dueling swords. And they, they were all his and they have always been his. Yeah. Because he is the one who is doing this to her. Yeah. I mean, it makes so much sense in the context of abuser tactics, right? Like, I'm not the one that's hurting you. It's the world that's making me do this. And then you're doing it to yourself and also you like it. Yeah. He's a monster. Like, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Smashing all of those ideas together. He's a fucking monster. Yeah. So then we get the the student council. Um, As the duel begins, each of the student council members is reciting a line from the uh, the egg speech and putting a rose in uh, the watering can. And we get the final appearance of uh, Mickey's stopwatch. Mm-hmm. I think it's the final appearance. I don't think it shows up in the final episode. <laughs> um, and they're like, it's begun. Toga notably has a white rose in this moment. We again see the full word revolution appear. Yep. So what I will say, this next scene takes place to the song Internal Clock Municipal Orrery. This is the most extensive and longest of the dual songs. It has the most dense lyrics of all of them and also some of the most layered meaning of all of them. It's a lot of people's favorite dual song for good reason. Uh, This one absolutely kicks. (laughs) I will say rather than like devote an hour of this show to just talking about this song (laughs) because we could, (laughs) um, I'm going to refer you to an absolutely incredible analysis done by a user named Caleb that is currently hosted on the Atori new website, uh, the empty movement page. And it, you can search it on Google just by typing internal clock municipal orrery explained. And that should bring up the link to that. Um, somehow Akio is a stopped clock that is not right at either time of day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense to me. But yeah, no, he's basically he has the world wrapped around him. He has made himself the center of the world and he's just a broken clock. He has been trapped here in this moment in time since he was a high schooler, basically. Mm -hmm. And now he's perpetuating this crime with what he's doing to the others. The duel itself is visually incredible. Um, So Utena says, no way, fuck you. I'm going to be the prince. And at that moment, the statue of Dios shatters. Uh, The castle starts to crumble and fall. Anthe gets up just to look at that, just to, to take in the sight of the castle crumbling. She looks actually genuinely awestruck that this is finally happening. And Akio, for his part, before the fear hits him, 
at first, he looks just genuinely surprised that this is happening. All of his tactics have failed. We have come to this point, and Utna is still insisting she will be the prince. He has pulled out every stop. None of them worked. And again, like, this shakes Akio to his core, clearly. We see it visually. But is it still what Anthe needs? Does she need a prince in this moment? She was saying last night that she doesn't. And Utana even admitted her flaw of like, I was just trying to be the prince for myself and not for you. But is a prince what she really needs? Because a prince has already let her down before. And this is where my pitch comes in. Because it seems like she doesn't need a prince. She just needs a girl. A girlfriend, if you will. (laughs) (laughs) A gal pal. Uh Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. A roommate. Mm-hmm. Someone to write lovingly about in her journal, but <laughs> historians will believe was purely platonic. Someone to take care help take care of her um her mouse monkey with an earring. You know, like <laughs> <laughs> So I, I will say, like, in this moment, I think we're almost a little bit past that. The fight is happening. It really doesn't matter what Utina is saying she has to win this fight or she will die yeah (laughs) so (laughs) uh, no this isn't what Anthe needs per se but Utina does need to win this fight now that it's happening (laughs) (laughs) she's like Anthe cover your ears because I'm the best prince (laughs) (laughs) because Akio tried to tell her like put away the sword or I will show you what it means to actually duel. Because like before, it was all, you know, the dueling game. This isn't a game. This is a fight. Yeah. And so this isn't about cutting the rose off of the other person. This is about killing the other person. Yeah. <laughs> and as much as Akio seems afraid at Utina's tenacity and the fact that like she's actually beating him, Utina doesn't have, like, the killer instinct either. No, but she did go for, like, she struck for blood. One of her last strikes was, like, she was going for the throat. (laughs) (laughs) So this is the moment where, in a, a fit of panic, his final tactic is revealed. He throws Anthe at Utina. Utina thinks, oh, he's basically using her as a human shield or a distraction. Um, But no, we pull back and the shot hides the hand that would have been holding Akio's sword. So we don't see that he is not holding his sword anymore. Anthe is. And then Anthe stabs Utena. Yeah, he knew he was going to lose. So he used his last final ultimate trap card, the Anthe stab. (laughs) <laughs> next episode we find out if Utena pulls out uh, Blue Eyes White Dragon <laughs> <laughs> the next episode they all just strap dual discs to their arms and it becomes the first <laughs> three way duel <laughs> uh, this is just Battle City I don't know what anybody else is talking about um. <laughs> so anyway I did want to point out like this is like that 
moment I was talking about at the very beginning of this episode. At this point, Akio's final tactic that he uses on Utena is, see, Anthea is still loyal to me. Yeah. And up until the moment she pushes the sword in, I think there's a question there, right? It's a true gamble, or he'd have done this one from the start. The fact that this is his last ditch effort means I think he didn't know whether or not she would follow through. Up until this point, he was proving to Anthe that you don't have a hero here. Yeah. I am going to defeat her and break her and prove to you that I am the only prince in this room. And then Utena reveals like, no, actually, she's still willing to fight. And so now he needs Anthe to prove she's still loyal because he can't beat Utena. Which is wild. I mean, right? Like, Isn't it striking that he can't defeat her? A grown ass man with no qualms about getting his hands dirty and killing someone cannot defeat her. And this is this ultimately was the point of finding the strongest, the most talented and driven and noble person was that if I can beat her and if I can break her, no one will ever save you. Yeah. That's why the dueling game existed. That's why he was sending letters to everybody and manipulating them and putting them in position to fight one another. He needed the best and strongest and most noble so that Anthe could see no one is coming to save her. That is so fucked to do all of that and go through all of that effort and time and energy and everything just to prove to the person that you're abusing. No one will ever come to save you. No one will ever love you. This kind of love is the best that you're ever going to get. And she believed it in her speech to Utena. She's like, I thought I was just some doll to be used. I didn't have a heart to be broken. So genuinely sad what we do know is that this isn't the end mm-hmm. we do still have one more episode uh, like what is your final prediction for what <laughs> happens next 20 whole fucking minutes of what <laughs> <laughs> i'm like okay we got the protagonist bleeding out on the floor potentially But even I kind of question, is the stab real or is that another illusion? I will give this one to you. It is real. Fuck. Okay. (laughs) Okay, so we got the protagonist bleeding out on the floor. (laughs) Um, Man, I I really don't know. Um, I mean, the preview, all that it gave us is the Shadow Girls. Um, yeah, they were missing this episode. So here they are to give us the uh, the transition to next episode. Uh-huh. And all it showed was their ship crashing into the tower and then them flying over the forest. Um, I don't think any outside forces are going to intervene. Everybody's pretty determined and set on it's up to Utena at this point. So you're not going to be banking on the student council doing a power of friendship thing where they all 
you know, send their energy to Utana. <laughs> Listen, I would love for that to happen. I don't think it's going to. <laughs> I think if they were going to do that, they would have done it with their little Rose monologue <laughs> that we saw in this episode. Um, no, I don't think any outside forces are really going to come in here. Um, I don't know. It's kind of up to, it's up to, Anthe really at this point and I want to see if she is going to reach out and make any kind of attempt to save herself I don't know if Utena lives or dies I have no clue I kind of I don't know my gut I don't know I could just see her like dying on the floor next episode and then like the final episode is just about Anthe versus Akio yeah, I mean, the realization of this is going to hit her like a ton of bricks. So once already, we have seen in this episode, Anthe disappear from one place and reappear in another in a different state. Yep, we sure have. What is the position we have seen Anthe revealed to be truly in? And we know this already. We know where Anthe truly is. The real Anthe. What, with all the swords sticking out of her? Bingo. That's where Anthe truly is. Mm-hmm. What do you think happens? <laughs> so, like, what we know is Anthe in the dress, Anthe on the couch, all illusions. Mm-hmm. The real Anthe has always been the one crucified by the Thousand Swords. No, the reason why I laughed is because um, my fucking stupid brain was just like, She's just going to roll herself in there like a Katamari ball. <laughs> <laughs> just like a sea urchin rolling into the... Oh, my God. Okay, anyway. Um, so then if the stab is real, then perhaps the person doing it is what's not. I mean, the metaphysics of all of that is kind of a red herring. <laughs> But I'm saying it could just be like Akio using the projector to play tricks, swapping their positions kind of, and he's the one that ends up like masking himself as Anthony to then stab her. Could be that. Um, um, I really don't know because I don't <laughs> like, they're not just going to stop the duel and be like, okay, now time to take Utena to the infirmary. Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm like, I just don't see any other outcome here other than one of them bleeding out on the floor. And I don't know which of the three of them it is. Okay. I will also say, in a previous episode, you guessed the correct answer to the series. Yeah, I don't know what that was <laughs> because my memory is shit. <laughs> and I've... I've, I've put so many theories out there that I'm like, I have no fucking clue. And that's why I am perfectly comfortable revealing that fact. <laughs> you have been correct at least once in the past. Like, <laughs> dead on, absolutely true statement about how the show ends, and I just had to, like, poke her face through that moment. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, Well, you know, past me gets the credit for being right. <laughs> present me she's floundering she's flopping <laughs> <laughs> so 
we will be recording the final episode of this uh, later this week. So luckily, Chesney is not going to have to wait too long until the next episode. If in the meantime, you would like to reach out and share any of your thoughts about all of this or our analysis so far, you can write to us at absolutedestinyapodcast at gmail.com. You can also reach us on Twitter while Twitter still exists. Um, (laughs) This episode is being recorded shortly after uh, Elon Musk decided to turn it into his personal playground. Um, So while Twitter still exists, you can reach us there at Zetai Unme Pod. We have not figured out yet whether we're staying on Twitter or going elsewhere. I think that will all remain to be seen in like the days ahead. <laughs> and like, just like how bad yeah. it gets there. Individually, we're both still on Twitter. I'm at Life in Neon. And I'm at Car Cutie. And we have one bit of big, big news that we promised. We are <laughs> ready to announce what our next show is going to be. We have debated almost since like episode six of this show, what we would do next. But we have settled on going through the rest of Ikuhara's works. And so we are going to be moving on to Mawaru Penguin Drum after this series. So yep, we will be announcing more details about that as we finish up this one. We are still going to be doing the movie and we are bringing back friend of the show, Carly. And we are going to be making like a whole day of this because... It is a long movie, and we all love talking, so it's going to be a f- really long episode. <laughs> Buckle up for that. Yeah. Uh, I do have copies of two of the musicals. We may do those as well in the future, but in the meantime, we are going to be starting recording episodes for our Mawaru Penguin Drum viewing. Stay subbed to this podcast. Any announcements will be posted here as well as anywhere else. So... As long as you're listening here, you will find out where where to go for everything else. Yes. I think it'll probably still be the same channel. Um, we haven't actually like, talked about changing the name or anything like that. It's just a matter of like when things happen, you'll find out here whether or not like Twitter still exists by that time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. On that note, we will see you next time for the conclusion. And someday together we'll shine. Ba-ba-da!